Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and thank you for joining us on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, as well as podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting our interviews to. Thank you for doing that. I am what I like to call a one-man band. Uh, in addition to doing the interviews and producing them and getting all of the audio edited, I also edit the video so that you can watch us on YouTube. That's right. We are on YouTube. The YouTube channel is, of course, uh, Richard Dugan and Tell Me Your Story. I just look for the guy with the black hat. And uh, we also hope that you will uh, continue to watch these videos as well as listen to the podcasts and subscribe on YouTube or Spotify or any of the other locations. And if you, uh, if you like what we're doing and it resonates with you and you can support us financially, we would be so gratefully appreciative. And uh, that's why we have a PayPal account uh, for your security as well as ours. And we also ask you to participate in the year that was, but now the decade that is, of perfect vision, the 2020s. Spend that time going within uh, and listening to that still, small voice so that uh, you can get the guidance and the inspiration, the encouragement, and all of the good things in life that uh, will help you uh, through your days, weeks, months, and years uh, as long as you choose to be here. And I hope that you choose to be here right up until the day that you are uh, whether it's called home or you decide to go, I know people who consciously, they actually consciously choose to depart. And I don't mean by taking their lives. They, they have discovered the way, just as the, the, the ancient yogis have, of just leaving this vessel. It is possible. Now, I don't have the technique. I don't know how it's done. I know people who have had near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences not something I've experienced, but hey, you know what? Uh, that's okay. Uh, I don't need to uh, to know all of that. To know that this life is pretty darn incredible, and I hope that you and I can share it together, especially through the, these uh, these programs. Today's program is uh, one that we are going to have a returning guest with us, and uh, we're going to be talking about the work that he is doing. Kingsley Guy is my guest, and I want to welcome you back to the program, author, journalist, and most importantly, especially for this program, storyteller. It's great to have you back. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be back. Uh, enjoyed our last uh, visit, and uh, really uh, look forward to the current one. Yeah, well, this time around, I'm going to grill you like Mike Wallace on 60 Mill. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> You have a, a new great journalist, Mike Wallace. Yes, to. yes, he was. Uh, his style was certainly something that you, you, you know, you had to develop a taste for it. But boy, he got down to the nuts and bolts, didn't he? He did. He did yes, indeed. He did. Well, we're going to try, but a little less abrasive. Uh, we're going to talk about your latest work, Piercing the Veil. It's a skeptical journalist's discovery 
uh, discoveries unseen world. It discovers unseen worlds. And basically, have you ever explained, examined your life and wondered, is this all there is? And that, there's a title. There's a song in there somewhere, isn't there, Kingsley? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> is that Big writer's all there power, is? Steel. What can I say? That's there. You go. There you go. Absolutely. And many people, that's kind of where they're at. Um, and I sometimes find myself uh, thinking that, even even with with all of the wonderful uh, conversations I've had on this program, with all of the study that I've done over the last 40 or 50 years, with all of the books I've read and the workshops I've been through, every once in a while I go, really? This? Is this is it? But I will say that um, in terms of the whole aspect, as I mentioned earlier in the program, as we've just gotten started, I have to believe that there is something more beyond this and that this has some relevance because if all of this is just some bizarre accident, um, somebody's idea of a joke, <laughs> and then there are lights out. And by the way, if it is lights out after we leave this body, we aren't going to know, right? absolutely won't but no, my my no yeah but my brain tells me there's something more not just beyond this life but in this life as well uh, talk to us about uh, this aspect of uh, piercing the veil many people they conceive of that veil as having to do with the the uh the crossover point into the next, I'll, I want to say the next realm, uh, if you will, of our existence, because we are, Kingsley, are we not, are we not immortal on the spiritual level? Uh, I believe we are, and I think what you're talking about has been a driving force of, um, for humanity from time of Neanderthal man, frankly. You look at uh, some of the burial sites of Neanderthals, we obviously honored their dead, probably a belief that uh, it isn't, you know, this wasn't the end. Uh, and Homo sapiens uh, developed, uh, you know, the whole culture of Homo sapiens uh, moving forward and evolving uh, uh, their consciousness uh, indicates that there was a deep-seated belief in uh, an afterlife uh, for, from the beginning of the beginning of humanity. Uh, now, my book, Piercing the Veil, Skeptical Journalist Discovers Unseen Worlds, uh, I, I spent a career in a very, very materialistic profession. Uh, and uh, I was a very successful journalist in South Florida and was the editorial page editor of a major newspaper. Uh, I hit uh, 40 years old and I had that existential crisis. I discovered I was alcoholic, which launched me on a spiritual journey uh, that uh, took me beyond the veil. It, uh, I, I followed many synchronicities. I followed, uh, followed where I believe spirit was leading me into some amazing states of consciousness, witnessed amazing things, things that uh, cannot be explained through the uh, uh, Newtonian uh, materialistic uh, uh, viewpoint that so much of our society uh, operates today, particularly scientists. And I think we're in a, on a cusp where even science is now starting to realize, hey, there's, 
the quote Shakespeare, Hamlet, there's more to heaven and earth, Horatio, than is dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm. Some of the things I saw, some of the things I've witnessed, some of the things I've experienced uh, cannot be explained through um, uh, the, the uh, five senses. They go well beyond it. Like, you know, like as I say, and, uh, pierce the veil uh, into uh, realms, other dimensions. So, yeah, I think deep within all of it, within humanity, is that understanding that um, there is something beyond what we can see, touch, feel, smell, or, or comprehend with our five senses. I think there's a great scene in the movie Interstellar uh, with Matthew McConaughey mm -hmm. that I think is very fascinating. It's near the midpoint to the end of the movie where he has somehow transcended to another dimension, if you will, uh, where he's now looking back through what what appeared to be uh, the shelves that are on the wall of the home in which he came from on Earth, because he's you know been blasted off into space and so forth. And I thought, wow, this is this is wild, and it's it's almost showing, well, it is showing uh, a certain uh, event that's taking place that actually took place earlier in the movie. And it's like he begins to understand the aspects of time in that everything is happening almost like all at the same time. But one other aspect, too, is uh, the discovery that we are all one. And I realize for a lot of folks, and this is something interesting that I heard while working for a Christian radio station back in the 80s and early 90s, but I didn't hear it from the station. I heard it from others I was associating with that we create our own reality, totally contrary to the Christian philosophy, even at that time, at that time. And yet science has proven over and over again that we do create our own reality because it's the choices that we make that have created the present that we're in today. I heard an interesting twist on this. I'd love your uh, observations, that the choices we make today Yes, they do create the future that we are, are going to have. But one, one of my guests said it's actually our perception of what we think the future will be determines many of our choices today. Your thoughts? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, Interstellar. You mentioned Interstellar and... Um, it, uh, one of the people I deal with in my book, Piercing the Veil, is Edgar Mitchell, who was, uh, uh, didn't travel interstellarly, but he traveled to the moon. And on his way back from the moon, he had a uh, spiritual experience, which the yogis call samadhi, in which you talk about that nature of totality or oneness. And Edgar, and I knew him uh, down here, I had some uh, marvelous conversations with him. As a matter of fact, his daughter wrote the foreword to my book. But he uh, entered the state of samadhi, a state that uh, I had entered after spending uh, two weeks in an ashram up in New York State. Uh, I came back to Fort Lauderdale and, and, and entered the state that was, for about four hours. It was the most unbelievable state of uh, uh, consciousness that, that one could imagine. It really can't be described. Uh, some people say the peace that passes all understanding. I think it's even different than that. You, you, you realize that you are um, uh, well, eternal and um, 
I, I realize that not only was I eternal, but I was eternity. You're, you are existing uh, in a uh, just a state that you could you could spend you could spend eternity in. Mm-hmm. You, you are eternity. Yeah. And, um, and he experienced that. He came back and he launched uh, his post NASA career exploring the scientific foundation of spiritual experiences. He started the. Uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences out in California, probably not too far from you, mm-hmm. uh, still functioning today. And uh, that, that was uh, uh, his conclusion um, uh, of, of the, the sense of uh, being a, a part of everything, that we are stardust in a sense, that uh, everything, uh, all material, uh, all the matter in the universe came from, came from the stars. We are made of stardust. And uh, we are connected uh, to all things. So uh, this is th- this idea is has been known for millennia uh, by uh, spiritual uh, uh, people, particularly I believe in the Far East, uh, the yogis and such. Uh, the idea of unity of, of existence. Now, uh, influence in um, how we influence the future. Now, let me just uh, talk about an event I had many, many years ago. I, I was on a golf course and I went back in the days when I could hit a pretty long ball and I, I made it to a par five and two and uh, not easy for an amateur. And I had like a 40 foot putt, that broke six feet. And I got over the putt and I said, uh, don't three putt, don't three putt. And then I changed my perspective and I said, how many times are you gonna be on a par five and two? Go for the eagle. And as soon as I struck the ball, I knew it was the best putt I ever hit, curled down, died right into the cup. Mm. And I got the, and you know, the reason that that happened was because I changed my perspective. Instead of saying, don't three putt, I went into a very positive perspective, make it. And I made it. So, you know, a materialist might say, oh, that's nonsense. That's just, uh, that's just, um, uh, coincidence. Hooey. It's just hooey. Uh, I think it was more than that. Too. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there's just a minor example of Yeah. Well, and and what what I find so interesting is so many people um, they sometimes wonder why they are where they are in their lives, why they feel stuck, but they have never consciously taken a look at why they are stuck in that they have not spent the time looking back and it doesn't have to go that far back, although some people will go all the way back to their childhood to see all of the choices that they have made that have placed them where they are today. I mean, all of the choices that I have made in my life and all of the people who have been involved in my progression and my growth have placed me right here right now with you Kingsley guy and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for all of those other people but also the decisions that I made the choices that I made and you know I could go back and take a look at how the dominoes have fallen is is it your perspective that it's possible for us to look ahead and see where those dominoes will fall? 
of course. Okay. <laughs> but also be, also expect surprises. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You know, there the great German philosopher uh, Schopenhauer. Yeah, he he uh, made a, uh, one of his statements. He he said you have to get a little older to recognize this. But you look back at your life and you say say, boy, what's what a what a mess! Uh, all these strange things happening. But then you get to a point in life where you look back at it and it seems like it was almost a orchestrated plan that got you to where you are, and where you are is perfect. So, you know, where where are we going? I I have lived in Fort Lauderdale for 44 years. Very successful career down here in, in South Florida. Uh, but I said to myself uh, this year, you know, kind of where is the rest of my life going? Uh, so I made a decision. I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, look into uh, moving. And I started visualizing in, uh, a place in the mountains of North Carolina. And guess what? In another month, I'm going to be living in the mountains of North Carolina if everything goes mm. as planned. I, I have a contract on a beautiful house up there. I just have a contract on selling my condominium in Florida. You know, I, I, I certainly could stay here, but it's like, you know, where's my life going? I, wanted, I, want, uh, I want the rest of my life, and I don't know how long that's going to be. I'm not a young man, but I want the rest of my life to have some uh, sense of uh, uh, excitement, some sense of purpose, some sense of adventure, and also to be closer to nature where I can uh, come in contact maybe uh, more with the, the spiritual dynamics of, of, of the world. Um, get up in the morning and hear the birds and uh, hear the crickets as I go to bed at night. See the change of seasons, um, uh, the cycle of life. You know, when I was... Uh, when I mentioned sobered up about 34 years ago, I, I started exploring uh, all the various religions. I read the Bible, the Quran, the Hindu scriptures, the Buddhist scriptures. And I remember a, a, a Hindu scripture or a book on Hinduism that I read that talked about the well-lived life. Yeah. where You start out as a young person, uh, you learn, you uh, grow up, you, know, you learn things as a child, you get an education. You grow up and you enter uh, uh, the work world and the family world. And then when you get to that, when that's over, you, you take what is known as sannyasa. You become, a, you go out into the woods and you get closer to nature and you prepare yourself for whatever comes after this, uh, this next life. And I'm not willing to go out as a hermit and sit in the woods, but I am willing to have this desire to get closer to nature, closer to uh, the source, closer mm -hmm. to closer to uh let's say closer to reality than we sometimes we sometimes are in in this uh this world we think is real that um, maybe there's a, a reality out there far beyond uh, uh you know the materialistic uh, world that we're we are caught up in you know one of the you're out in california one of the, the great experiences of my life i was out there uh, 20 years ago, uh, and I accidentally ended up in a redwood forest. Didn't plan it, but uh, whatever route I was taking, I ended up in the middle of this redwood forest. And I could sense a spirit of the woods, uh, an intelligence, a, a consciousness that existed within this, uh, this redwood forest. And it was one of those very profound feeling that 
that I had there. But, but yeah, we, we are a part of nature. We can't, I, mean, I think we've tried to control it and um, many senses and ways. I think maybe it's getting back at us for trying to control it too much. But the, 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 there is a consciousness uh, out there that uh, I, I seek to come more uh, in contact with uh, through this move. Well, it's, you know, I think about that for years, living in Phoenix, Arizona, I wanted to move close to the ocean. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know, nor did I specify where. Mm -hmm. All I know is I wanted to move closer to the water, and specifically the ocean. It could have been the Atlantic Ocean for all I knew. Could have been the Gulf Coast, because that's still part of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and the next thing I know, I'm moving to California, and I'm actually moving to the coast, which was quite remarkable to me in that, uh, again, it wasn't something that I had expected, at least in terms of I dreamed about it, but, but it was, I didn't put anything into it. You know what I'm saying? That it was one of those things that I just mm. put it out there. Now, I do remember there was a job that I took, uh, that I wanted, I should say. It was a job I wanted. I wanted to work for one of the local news talk stations, the number one station in Phoenix at that time, uh, KTAR 620 News Talk Radio. And I grew up listening to that station. And it was number one for years. And I said, I want to work there. That would be so cool, especially I, there were some some of my favorite people that were that were there. And the next thing I know. I, so what I did was I took a um, I think it was a legal size piece of yellow, yellow legal pad. And every line I wrote, I am working at KTAR 620. I am working at I don't know how many times it was on. Mm -hmm. And I still have that, by the way, I still have that sheet of paper. And the next thing I know, I even though it was weekends and overnight, I was working for that station, and I was also working with the various talents that I had grown up as a kid listening to even on other stations. But it was about I didn't put it together. I mean, this is what I was told to do, but it wasn't something that I was consciously putting together. Is, is that part of where we've got the disconnect in our lives where... We're doing it, we're almost, but we're doing it unconsciously or subconsciously. And, and what we're talking about here, what you are talking about, especially in Piercing the Veil, you're talking about doing this on a conscious level, intentionally, having intent, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, intent, uh, one of the people, uh, you may know Jack Canfield. Yes. Um, he was the originator of uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, uh, act very active in the movie The Secret, mm -hmm. um, and, and The Secret. Uh, and as a matter of fact, on my website, kingsleyguy.com, there's a 15-minute interview of Jack Canfield interviewing me. And I'm happy to say uh, very high praise for, for my uh, book, uh, both Piercing the Veil and my novel, The uh, Queen of the Heavens. But it's on my website, Piercing the Veil, or uh, kingsleyguy.com. But uh, uh, that was part of what he is talking about in his other book, The Success Principles, talking about that, what you're talking about here, the visualization that uh, I am uh, working on this uh, uh, 
radio station or I, this is what I uh, desire in my life. And then to put that out consciously uh, to then find uh, this materializing. It's not something that you can just think about once in a while. It's something you have to make a, a conscious effort to, to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things and one of, one of the events that I mentioned in Piercing the Veil is um, uh, I, I was uh, working on a, a second novel and I needed some, uh, needed some juice, needed some creative juice. So there's in, in, in the Vedic rituals, the uh, East Indian rituals, uh, if you say a mantra 41 time, or for 41 straight days, 108 times a day, uh, what, you, what you want will materialize. Mm -hmm. And I was, like I said, I wanted this uh, uh, creative uh, juices to flow. So I decided to say a mantra to the uh, Hindu goddess Saraswati, who is the goddess of creativity. And I did it, uh, 41 straight days, uh, 108 times. And at the end of that, a couple of days after I had finished, I was attending a, uh, a seance with a uh, uh, physical medium. And this is a culmination of my book. I, I, I write about this. This is where you know, people think it's a bunch of fake hooey. It is not. Things flying around the room, uh, hands appearing, Sometimes uh, uh, spirit uh, uh, parts of spirit uh, being visible, and uh, the, the, we were at a table levitation, and um, table levitated, went up, whoa, way up over my head. And, um, at the end, uh, uh, we held hands around the table, and the medium said, "Squeeze, squeeze," and plop, something dropped in the dark on the table, and so we got a flashlight, and we looked at it. And believe it or not, it was a little icon, a little statue about that big of the goddess Saraswati. Mm. And the only person who knew I was saying this mantra was myself. This was not faked. But where did this, where did this little icon come from? It came out of, I don't know, some other dimension. That's, that's the culmination of my book. But it was my intention to do this ritual, this Hindu ritual, um, and with the intention of, of creating creative juice inside of me, but what I got was <laughs> an actual icon of the goddess. And I'll tell you, that inspired me. That inspired me. That inspired me to write this book. So, uh, so what is our intention? Uh, what are our thoughts? Where are we putting our energies? Uh, that. Uh, can materialize sometimes in very, very uh, uh, material form. We are talking with Kins, uh, Kingsley Guy. He is the author of Piercing the Veil. Uh, but uh, we want to talk about uh, your other book, too, having to do, and I mm -hmm. find this fascinating myself, having to do with uh, an area that a lot of people have been studying for a long, long time, and that would be the area of Egypt. And that, that work is uh, uh, something that I think that people would be very interested in as well as we continue talking here with Kingsley Guy. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we are having a wonderful chat here this afternoon, this morning, this evening, depending upon when you are listening. 
uh, to uh, Guy Kingsley. GuyKingsley.com. Let's try that one again. I just reversed his name. It's Kingsley Guy. KingsleyGuy.com. There we go. We get it right. Uh, and uh, Kingsley Guy is my guest, and we are talking about his work. And, and you know, I am still, and, and I, I'm just going to mention this j just in passing, I'm still working on my book that I've been working on now for, well, 20 years, called Choices. And uh, yet you have, uh, you've got these two books out. How, first of all, with Piercing the Veil, how long did it take you to, uh, from the moment you had the, the inspiration to write it, uh, how long did it take for you to actually see it in physical form? Well, to actually write it, or let's say write 95% of it, because writing is rewriting and you, yeah. you, you know, it's got to go to your editor. So 95, I wrote 95% wrote of it in six weeks on a, on a porch in the woods of North Carolina. Um, but this was very much a journalistic book. I mean, I, I reported on events that actually happened to me. And I, you know, I spent my work, my life working with words. And uh, this book uh, came, I'm not going to say easily, but it, it, it really flowed. So uh, now going in, you know, then going into the publication process and such, it, 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 it took another, uh, another year to finally, you know, get the artwork, to get uh, uh, everything together, to, to uh, get it published, to reread it and, and correct all the mistakes. And I will say this. You, I, I would defy you to find a typographical error in that book. But, <laughs> it's <laughs> been a lot of energy. Read and reread many, <laughs> not, many times. Yeah. I yeah not you. only because of me, but because of a very fine editor who I've, I've known for years who, who helped me with it. Uh, the novel, on the other hand, uh, Queen of the Heavens, was a different story. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a journalist who, uh, uh, yeah, I, I always wanted to write a novel. Uh, as most journalists do, they want to, you know, they want to be remembered something. Uh, well, unless, uh, unless you're, history. yeah, unless you're Woodward and Bernstein, and they'll be remembered for all the president's men is what they'll be remembered well, for. That, that's very true. <laughs> and I'll very tell you true. what, uh, you couldn't have written a better fictional story than the, the facts around uh, Watergate. But let me ask you about Queen of the Heavens. Now, this is a novel. Uh, but it kind yep. of focuses on uh, what it's like to awaken to the divine and know that our lives are informed and shaped by spiritual guidance from other realms. I want to mm -hmm. talk about something I mentioned at the front end of the program having to do with going within, trusting our intuition. You're going into uh, an even broader perspective here as far as I can tell. When you talk about spiritual guidance from other realms, and in one sense, you, one could say that our intuition is connected to those other realms. I know this is a novel, but it, it so was James Redfield's uh, Celestine Prophecy. It was a novel. But mm -hmm. yours holds some great insights and profound lessons that we can all learn from. Talk to us about what you refer to as these other uh, realms of uh, spiritual guidance. Yeah, well, let me go back. As I mentioned, at, at uh, 40 years old, I uh, discovered my alcoholism. That launched me on a spiritual journey. 
when I was a young man, I, I uh, uh, had studied in East Asia. I, I'd, I'd left home when I was 19 years old, studied in East Asia, crossed through India, and uh, had an amazing experience in the holy city of Benares. Now I'm 20 years old. What do I know? I don't have any real spiritual or religious background. But the, the holy city of Benares, also called Varanasi, the holiest city uh, in India, uh, dedicated to Lord Shiva. And if you see the pictures of people going down to the river and bathing, that, those, those are generally uh, taken in uh, this, this city. So I'm 20 years old. I don't. What does 20 year old know? Not too much. But I'm I'm standing outside. <laughs> As a matter of fact, a 70 year old sometimes thinks he doesn't know too much either. But I'm standing outside the uh, the Golden Temple in the in the city of uh, Benares, and uh, throngs of people are going into the temple. This is 1967. There weren't a lot of Westerners there at that point. Throngs of people going into the temple, and I, I'm feeling the sense of, boy, I, this could be 500 BC. Uh, the Buddha uh, preached his first sermon just outside of this, mm. this uh, city about that time. I'm saying, that I could be back in 500 BC. And I couldn't go into the temple because I wasn't a Hindu, but uh, I feel somebody grasped my hand as this old, old woman. Uh, no teeth, and she looks up at me and smiles, says something I couldn't understand, but hands me a fistful of flower petals and directs my hand to a passing sacred cow that eats flower petals. And it was like, whoa, it was, it was a magical experience for me. It was just like a jolt of electricity went through me. And I was transported into, into I don't know where, but I, I made a pledge at this point. I said, I will someday return to this exact spot and I will feed flower petals to a sacred cow. Now life gets in the way and I went back to New York, uh, got a job as a copy boy at the New York Times, had wonderful, wonderful experiences there for a few months and, and that launched me on my journalistic career. But 20 years later, that's when I realized that my alcohol drinking had caught up with me. And I am on the spiritual journey. And I say, I'm going to go back to India. I'm going to honor that pledge. And I'm going to feed flower petals to a sacred cow. So I uh, uh, really feeling the spiritual sense about me. I get on a plane and I fly to Mumbai. And that spiritual sense as I got off the plane and I saw the poverty and the, 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 the uh, poverty that indescribable for those of us who live in this country. It just sort of kind of shattered my, my belief system. I said, how could a loving God allow this poverty to exist? But I said, let's, let's keep this going. So I went to, uh, after five or six days in Mumbai, I went to Varanasi and the same thing. I'm looking at the poverty and, and uh, I, I'm just getting the sense that uh, my God, uh, a loving God could not exist uh, here or could not allow this to exist. So I got on a bus and I went out to, uh, to the city of Sarnath, just outside where the Buddha preached his first sermon after enlightenment. And I'm sitting at the stupa uh, next, next to where this took place. And I'm, I'm just feeling nothing. I'm just feeling empty. And I tour a museum with these uh, uh, figures of the Buddha that date back uh, to, to the fourth century, fifth century and other Hindu uh, sculptures of uh, Indus River uh, Valley sculpture date back thousands of years mm -hmm. before that. 
And I, I just had this sense of mortality. I said, my God, this, there's no reason. I mean, the, 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 there's nothing here. There's, there's no reason for this existence. I'm going to die and, and, and nobody's going to know it. And like I could die over here and nobody's going to, I just, this utter fear just enveloped me. And I got on a bus heading back to Varanasi and I said, what will I do? So I started playing, God lift my fear, praying, God lift my fear for about five minutes. Mm. And I felt a warmth in my feet and the, the warmth sort of came up through my body and it took the fear in boosh pushed it out the top of my head and I didn't I, I didn't feel fear again for the rest of the never felt fear like that since so the next day is my last day in Varanasi and uh, I said I'm going to feed the cow now and it's dusk and I go to the golden temple and I buy some flower petals and saying okay now I'm going to get that spirit but <laughs> animal passes and I feed it and Nothing. I notice I fed a bull instead of a cow. So, you know, I bought, more, bought more flower petals. And I make sure this is a cow the next time. I yeah, look, for the, look for the udders. Look for the udders. That's what I did. I looked for <laughs> nothing. So I got down to the river, and there's thousands of people there who feel that, you see, this is the most sacred spot on earth. Thousands at dusk. And I'm sitting on a bench. I'll say, I meditate at the Ganges hear a bump behind me or feel a bump behind me again up and turn and there's a leper with no arms and no nose just and i'm just oh my god what is what am i doing here and i'm just beside myself so the last thing i decide to do and i like i said my spiritual sense is gone i said i'm going to uh float one of these devotional candles in the ganges and uh, go up to the river, which is flat as a pane of glass. And some uh, women had, were in front of me. They put their candles into the river and splashed their hands. And the candles floated out about 15 feet from the bank. And uh, I put my uh, candle in the river and asked for some sort of a spiritual experience that would, would get me out of this state that I was in. Splashed my hands and candle goes out three feet and the current catches it and starts flowing back towards shore towards me and I think my god I've come halfway around the world to have a spiritual experience and the Ganges is rejecting my offering I can't even float a candle on the Ganges properly <laughs> despair and at the instant of that despair a three-inch frog surfaces from the muddy Ganges and I see it like it happened today and its left front leg, it grabbed the plate the candle was on, and it swam the candle out to the others and deposited it in the middle <laughs> of the candle. Wow. And it was like, I was a uh, baptized Catholic, but I never practiced it. I couldn't think of what to do other than stick my hand in the Ganges and genuflect, you know. And so I'm walking back to my, at dusk, I'm walking back past the funeral pyres on the banks of the Ganges. People go there to be cremated, to die and to be cremated. And so I walked past it. And I said, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. So it was that, it's stories like that, that, that I write about in Piercing the Veil. Uh, that, that took me uh, uh, on a, on a uh, spiritual journey that uh, uh, got me 
to ashrams and got me to the state of samadhi that got me into the movement of the kundalini, all these Vedic things that mm -hmm. happened uh, uh, because of that. But yeah, I went from that despair and that, that point where I completely surrendered at the, the banks of the Ganges that that frog showed up and I even have a ring. I don't know if you can see it, yes. but I've got a ring here that's oh, of the frog. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't eat frog legs. Never served and would never eat frogs. Ah, so what can I say? That's probably a good idea in this case. Now, <laughs> we're talking with uh, Kingsley Guy. Kingsleyguy.com is the website. We will be linked to his website as well. You want to pick up a copy of Piercing the Veil or and or uh, Queen of the Heavens. It's a novel, and we hope that you will do so and spend some time uh, uh, reading these things and get, grabbing the insights that, as he has been sharing them with us here on Tell Me Your Story. As we continue talking with Kingsley Guy on Tell Me Your Story, this is New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'm Richard Dugan. And uh, Kingsley, I want to I wanna ask you a little bit about I mean, you've already shared it with us, and I've, I've, I've put this together, even if it is, so to speak, in reverse order, that you obviously were born and raised Roman Catholic, as was I. Uh, mm -hmm. My introduction to all that you speak of, uh, especially with your experiences in India, and I have not been, the closest I have been is through the words of Paramahansa Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi. That is what I consider my metaphysical primer. And there were many things that I, I have read and reread. I've, I've probably read the book hundreds of times, especially because I would listen to it in what is today audible. Back when I was listening to it as a legally blind young man and boy, was, uh, was called Talking Books for the Blind and Recordings for the Blind. And I have to tell you that the reader really brought it to life. I really love the guy's voice. But it was so many of these wonderful stories, some of them that at first glance didn't make a lot of sense until you got to the end and it began to realize, oh, I see. And one of my favorites was uh, the, the story that he told about the, um, about the theater that he went to. And he, took, he was taken by his guru to a theater and uh, was not really impressed by the, what they referred to as the cinescope back then. So they're outside the theater, and his guru says, let me show you a different cinescope, and gives him a good thump on the chest, and he has that experience of awareness of everything around him. I mean, 360 degrees, probably spherical, not just horizontal, but all the way, and, and hearing things, and feeling, and seeing, and all of those types of things, and... The closest thing that we have in, in, in here in America in particular to something like that would be Disney and its 360-degree uh, theater that you can walk into. They have the camera mounted on all kinds of different things. I think Google Earth kind of sort of does that now. They've got a camera like that that you can actually do a, a 360 in one spot. And you can see everything all the way around. And it's, to me, fascinating, including above. Not so much to the ground, but uh, the sky and all that. And I have to wonder about, again, our awareness of where we are that led you to the question, is that all there is? Mm -hmm. Because if we awaken ourselves like you went through that process, it seems to me like you would realize, wow, there is so much here. There is no question, is that all there is? Look at all there is. What was it that, that brought that question 
to your mind and to your consciousness? Well, that that uh, frog on the Ganges was was one of the things uh, you mentioned. But you mentioned Paramahansa Yogananda, and I haven't read it hundreds of times, but I've probably read it uh, five times. Uh, read it you know, only a couple of years ago. Uh, again, it was a very influential book in my life, and of course, his guru Sri Yukteswar, I mm-hmm. guess, would be speaking of. Uh, uh, Get, get expanded whatever whatever the uh, Sri Yukteswar transmitted to him, mm-hmm. it expanded his state of consciousness. And that state of samadhi that I spoke about, I was, I was up at the, the Sri Muktananda Ashram in uh, upstate New York. For a couple of weeks, I went through um, some Vedic rituals with the Brahmin priests who had, had been flown over from uh, India. I got back to uh, Fort Lauderdale felt some real anxiety. Uh, this is the day after I, I, I left, real anxiety. And, and that evening, I uh, entered that state of samadhi for about uh, four hours, mm-hmm. the most profound state I have ever been in. And that sense that uh, not only was I in eternity, I was eternity. Mm. There, there, that life, uh, uh, the, 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 it was a sense I could spend eternity like now, whatever pleasurable experience you could have, you know, after a week of it, I mean, you're, you're probably going to say, well, I don't know if I can continue this. But this was not like that. This was like, yes, I could spend eternity like this. Then the realization, I am eternity. And that really affects your entire outlook on existence, your entire li- outlook on life and death. Um, and you know, your entire outlook on what is consciousness. Uh, is consciousness the activity of the brain or is there something far greater uh, that, that uh, uh, is consciousness of which we are a part? I always, t- I, I, I tend to think uh, of existence and of, of, of God. It's like we're corpuscle, like a, a corpuscle in our body is not Kingsley but it is Kingsley, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's like Kingsley is or Richard maybe corpuscles in a grand, a grand state of consciousness. If you could call whatever you want, call it God, call it Source, call it uh, call it whatever the zero point field. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it seems to be that 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 sense that I have of, of what my existence is. I. I I am more, I, I am this being in, in this three-dimensional world called Kingsley Guy, but you know, this is a very, this is a blip in, the, in the, uh, the scheme of eternity, what we are experiencing now, but there is more to us uh, than, than flesh and blood, for sure. So, you know, some of those experiences just, uh, when you have them, after you've had them, you just cannot... Uh, look at the world the same way again but you know people who haven't had them um uh can't really yeah it's often can't understand what you're talking about (laughs) that's true that is true and i have to say that my experiences of people having uh these these incredible spiritual insights if you will uh Mm -hmm. i have never been one and sadly i have been around people who have been the type of individual who will say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not possible. 
because it doesn't say it in this ancient teaching or that ancient teaching. So mm -hmm. I don't know what you experienced, but it wasn't of God. A matter of fact, I just received a, uh, a, a book, just uh, it came in the mail today, uh, having to do with, and I, I thought this was so sad in one sense, that somebody would feel the need to write that book like this, but hey, we may have her on the program, having to do with the difference between biblical meditation and Eastern meditation. Mm -hmm. I can't see a difference, to be honest with you. The purpose to me of meditation is to commune, if you will, with the divine, with God, with self, that intuition, again, listening to the still small voice, find peace and calm. And, you know, I just don't see a difference there. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts about about uh, uh, these kinds of concepts where, uh, no, it has to be, if, if, if you're going to do it, then we're going to provide you with the proper way of doing this so you don't get in trouble. And I don't know why people think that they have to be the ones to save us, so to speak, from ourselves. But, you know, and I, again, I do appreciate the fact that an individual cares that much, but I just sometimes wonder if, if that's really, you know, really necessary. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Some of the things that I write about uh, in Piercing the Veil and Queen of the Heavens, actually, uh, uh, I mean, would, from the perspective of some people, be looked upon as the works of the devil. Um, uh, but they're not. Uh, they, they are the, the seances I attended, the, uh, the things that I witnessed are, are uh, works of some force that I have no idea what is. But um, I am confident that they are uh, all part of, of a divine plan and not part of uh, any satanic uh, plan. But sometimes, you know, in, in the 19th century, there was a great movement, the spiritualist movement in this mm -hmm. country, yeah. in which uh, uh, people attended seances, millions upon Mary Todd Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln probably attended with her uh, seances where, where you experience a uh, phenomenon that... Uh, uh, can't be explained by by our uh, even our sciences today. A lot of it was fake, but a lot of it was not. A lot of it was very real. Um, and the sites I witnessed uh, uh, and experiences I had, including the appearance of that uh, little statue, uh, just told me, "Hey, uh, there there is a consciousness greater than our consciousness." Now. Um, we tend to be tribal uh, as humans. Uh, you, you're brought up with this uh, thought process, and well, the person brought up with another thought process has uh, got to be evil, you know, and just, just our tribal nature. Uh, not so much in the East, though. Um, it's one of the things that attracted me to, to yogic thinking was that, uh, you know, uh, call God, uh, you want to call God Shiva, call God Vishnu, call God Jesus. They're all God. Yeah. And uh, you, you don't have, uh, you don't have that uh, ideological separation that uh, you, you get too often in, in the West. Now, I think some of that is changing. Um, much greater acceptance. I think the Catholic Church has accepted uh, um, uh, the fact that it is a, a great organization, but it is one of other organizations whose purpose is the same, and that is to 
lead people on a spiritual life and uh, enable them to uh, have the spiritual experiences that can be life changing and can, that can allow them to function in a, a world that sometimes seems out of control. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think some some religions focus so much on controlling behavior rather than changing consciousness. And uh, I think the the object of uh, the spiritual experience is to enhance and expand our um, uh, consciousness uh, into realms that go beyond the material. Kingsley Guy is my guest. We're talking with him about his work, uh, the work that he's doing at his website, uh, where you can get more information about his book, Piercing the Veil, as well as Queen of the Heavens, which is a novel, kingsleyguy.com. We will be linked to his website as well, and we certainly hope that you will go there uh, to continue your uh, evolutionary transformational process. And we are excited to have him on the program, a returning guest to this program as we continue to bring you new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on Tell Me Your Story. And Kingsley Guy is here to help us to do that, uh, giving us uh, his insights and, and, and examples from his life and his research, his searching, if you will. You know, <clears throat> I remember telling uh, one of the uh, uh, programmers on that Christian station that I, uh, I, I was on my search and they said, oh, well, when you find Jesus, your search is over. And I was actually astute enough to be able to respond to them kindly. Well, actually, my belief is that once I find Jesus, my search has just begun. And one of the aspects you, you, in your, you know, you talk, the title, for example, Queen of the Heavens. Mm -hmm. And I think about the question, is that all there is? And I think of what I've experienced in uh, Life Between Lives hypnosis that I went through uh, about a year or so ago, maybe more than a year ago. And I think about the descriptions of what heaven will be in the Christian philosophy. And that's where that question really comes. Is that it? That's all there is? And I think after everything we've been through here on this planet, in this realm, that's it. That's where it stops. I, you know, and it just, you know, and I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody who believes that. It's not my point. It's just from my standpoint, with a curious brain that was given to me by the creator, mm -hmm. it, just doesn't, <laughs> it, it just doesn't fit. It's like, that might as well just be lights out, uh, Kingsley, because mm -hmm. if that's all there is, I want lights out. <laughs> you know? Well, it, yeah. There's a, 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 one of the people, and I haven't started uh, posting my blogs yet, but I've, I've written a blog, uh, several blog posts. One of them is about a, a person named Alfred Russell Wallace. And Wallace, you might know the name, he... he uh, conceived simultaneously but independently of Charles Darwin uh, the concept of evolution through natural selection and he sent his paper to Darwin before publishing and Darwin said holy smokes this guy's thinking the same thing I'm thinking so uh, they, they actually joint published their papers and in the 19th century it was called the, uh, the Darwin Wallace theory 
if Wallace had gone ahead and published it, probably would have been called the Wallace Theory of Evolution. Mm -hmm. But he was a naturalist. He, and this was the time of the spiritualist uh, movement that I mentioned, where the seances, uh, these amazing events took place at these seances. And he came back from his studies in, uh, in Asia and um, uh, said, hey, I'm a scientist. I'm a little skeptic, but I'm a scientist. There may be a force of nature that we don't know anything about. And as a scientist, I've got an obligation to study it. And he went ahead and he studied it. And he concluded, hey, this stuff is real. And he's written uh, brilliantly about it, in which he kind of skewers many of the, the scientists of his age who, who thought it was all a bunch of hooey. But he, as he developed the idea of the survival of the fittest in the, in the material world, creating uh, uh, the diverse biosphere that we have, uh, he thought, created, or came up with the idea of the progression of the fittest in the uh, in the afterlife in other words there is a progression in which we steadily climb as our consciousness perfects itself in uh, uh, higher and higher and higher and higher and we speak of the seven levels of heaven uh, and uh, the the uh, hindu philosophy there's the different lokas where you can go to different uh, different uh, levels of consciousness uh, the until eventually you reach the uh, the highest level of consciousness, which is the state of cosmic consciousness, where you are at become you are becoming, uh, as I said before, uh, eternal, mm -hmm. and you are eternity. So you know the progression of the progression we progress. Some people would say we progress through reincarnation. Others would say that we progress uh, in different spiritual realms and, uh, and move upward until we, we achieve that, that point of um, uh, total merger with the Godhead. So you know, there, there's so much that, uh, that can't really be spoken about with absolute authority, but as we started this uh, conversation out, that, that there is a sense among humanity that, uh, that, that there is something more than just the material world at which we are a part. Well, it is one of those things that we continue to, well, in some cases we do. We continue to struggle with. Mm -hmm. uh, we continue to uh, wonder, okay, so now what? Um, and I, I have to say that I, there's a, there is actually a part of me that sort of envies individuals who are actually able to um, intentionally uh, go into a, a, an out-of-body state. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because I, I can only imagine what that's like. I can only imagine. And... Uh, it's like the way they describe it. They're, I'm outside. I can see my body and I can do these things. Now, I've had dreams where I can see myself doing certain things. Um, but usually I'm seeing myself through my eyes. I can see my hand. Just like now, I can see my hands and I can see my legs and my arms and so forth. You know, but it's not the same thing. Have you ever had that kind of an experience, either a near-death or out-of-body experience, especially 
through some of the things. And I know Samadhi is, is, is certainly a different state, Kundalini and all of those other practices. What about, what about that? Have you, have you ever had that? I have not had an out-of-body experience, but I have had a profound experience uh, of what's called in the East the witness. And the witness, uh, uh, that, that part of us that is eternal and um, sort of is able to observe uh, totally uninvolved with, with, with our uh, day-to-day life. I had that experience. I was diving off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, and I'm at about 70 feet. And I, at that point, I thought I was a really good diver, yeah, scuba diver. And 70 feet is a fairly deep dive. And uh, I got caught up in the, the spirit of a lobster hunt. And I went after this huge lobster and didn't know I was uh, sucking my air as quickly as I, I was. And um, I then realized, holy smokes, this, I'm in trouble. So I tried to, went to the anchor line to try to come back up and took a breath and nothing. My was, tank was empty. And I signaled to my buddy that there was a novice. To, uh, I was out of air and he had no understanding of what I was signaling. So I, I had said a prayer, dear God, please help. And I had this instant uh, impulse to just swim for the surface. And as I was going towards the surface, this tremendous calm overcame me. Mm. And it was like the feeling I may live or I may die. And it doesn't matter because I am eternal. Total calm as I went up, didn't know if I would make it or not, totally out of air, doing what you do to try to survive, breathing out as you're going up, whatever air is left in me. And finally, I, I started seeing the uh, rays of sun and I, and, and boom, I, I came into uh, the surface. And that's, then I started to panic a little. <laughs> I, I, I got my vest inflated. I, I, I got to the boat. But it was that, uh, and I, I mentioned that in Piercing the Veil, that, that event. And uh, I didn't come down with the bends. I did come down with the compression sickness, and nausea, and fever that night. But I didn't get the bends. But it was just uh, uh, that, that sense that I may live, I may die. It, matters not I am eternal and that was as I looked back at it that and learned more about uh, uh, concepts spiritual concepts eastern yoga concepts that was the witness that showed up and the witness showing up actually saved my life uh, it, it just totally calm and and understanding that I was an eternal being mm. so uh, not an out-of-body out experience, but the, it was the witness kind of observing um, uh, and observing totally uninvolved in the outcome. Wow. So. Wow. And that's really, I think, what it comes down to sometimes is that we have to let go. Um, you mentioned something that I would consider your, if this is the right phrase, buddhic experience of at the Ganges there with the power uh, with the candle and then the frog, you basically stopped. You just stopped, just like the Buddha. He finally got to the point where he's exhausted. He sat down under the Bodhi tree, says, mm -hmm. "I'm not. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stop." And boom, 
It's it's when we stop looking or, you know, uh, pressing, if you will, that Mm -hmm. it usually happens. Yeah. Uh, Maybe surrender. Surrender. That's a better word. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Just surrender. This is it. (laughs) I can't do it anymore. Boom. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) Indeed. And it's one of those areas where we are, you know, we sure want it to happen. We really do. We want it. We want it. We want it. And it just it just won't, it just won't happen. Uh-huh. And um, so we have to, literally, we have to let it go. Yep. And once we do, you know, it, it's, it's um, and, and this is the way it was phrased to me. Stop trying to control the process and become part of the process. And that was the saying that was given to me many years ago uh, in order to for me to get through um, what I needed to in terms of this this incredible world in which we live and the things that we're doing. There there are times I got to tell you that I (laughs) I listen to that still small voice. I've shared this experience. I was uh, experiencing some financial challenges and I got the prompting to do something that was totally contrary to everything I was trying to do in the, in our, in, in the finances. And I, I kind of thought, I thought about it and I, I, I sort of speak, fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And then I finally, I said, okay, all right. And afterwards, after I had done what I had been asked to do, I realized that if I hadn't done it when I did, it would have been far worse. And that's one of the things that I want you to talk a little bit about in terms of listening to that intuitive voice, that still small voice. Mm -hmm. Am I correct in what I say to people that it will never put you in harm's way? It might challenge you, but it's not going to put you in harm's way. And it's there to help you. Uh, I can speak from personal experiences that listening to that small voice has sometimes led me into big challenges, uh, but challenges that by still listening to that small voice, be able to come and become a, a, a better person as a result of it. Um, but following, uh, following that small voice, following the synchronicities, uh, the, the, those, what would you call them? The, uh, 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 coincidences with meaning, um, like when the frog grabbed the candle in the Ganges that mm. launched me into a, a pursuit of, uh, a, a spiritual path that uh, took me today because I listened listening to a suggestion from a member of my staff that because I liked history so much that I, when I was going over to cover some stuff in, in Israel, that I ought to go to Egypt and just listening to that and, and saying, yeah, okay, I hadn't planned on doing it, but maybe I will. Going to Egypt and, and the event, uh, going to Egypt, changing my life and going back to Egypt and changing my, you know, pursuing uh, uh, my my Egyptian understanding, what that did to my 
my life. So uh, every time I've listened to that small voice and followed the synchronicities, it's uh, it's uh, led to a more fulfilling life. Hmm. So uh, where did that voice come from? <laughs> does it, <laughs> it come from inside or does it come from a guardian angel or it come from both places simultaneously? Or, or you know, we talked earlier about the unity of uh, existence. Um, uh, and then kind of the matrix that, that makes up all things. So if there was advice I, I give to uh, uh, people I sometimes talk to is follow the synchronicities. Don't be afraid. If you're at that point where if you're at that jumping off point, uh, jump <laughs> and see where it leads. <laughs> I will tell you that when my wife and I had both lost our jobs in 2006, mine due to the station selling to a Christian consortium, and they were not going to keep on any of the old staff. Uh, and my wife, working in basically a very hostile work environment in a hospital, um, we were sitting there March 1st watching TV that evening, both unemployed. And she came over and she sat down and she says, I'm scared. I mean, I feel like we're on the edge of a precipice. And I said, well, uh, let me just say that and I, I at that time did not have any fear having lost my job because I'd gone through the year 2000. Um, I had gone through the year 2000, uh, 2001, actually, and I had been laid off from four different jobs. And within two weeks of each of the, uh, the departures or the layoffs, I found another job. So here we were, March 1st, 2016, 2006. And I said, well, everything I know and I've read and experienced and da 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 uh, they all say when you come to the edge of a cliff or precipice, either or, you do two things. You jump and you trust. That's how I am here with you today, Kingsley Guy. <laughs> That's how that happened. And by the way, coincidence, yeah. I repronounce it. co incidences incidents that happen con collectively if you will in in concert uh i don't believe in coincidences uh i really don't i believe that that these 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 events that happen where paths cross and meaning is there and things happen that 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 help want to help us I just I think that it's the divine, it's the universe that's just trying to help us if we will just let it. And I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? That we just won't let the universe help sometimes because we think with that God-given brain <laughs> as well as the ego, we think we know better, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, the, the, talking about the jumping off point. I, I'm at that point in my life where, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm packing up after 44 years in Florida, taking a chance. I mean, I'm, at, I'm 74 years old. I'm at that point where, well, maybe I ought to be considering, uh, you know, heading for uh, the assisted living facility. <laughs> no, not me. I'm going out to the mountains of North Carolina. There you go. There you go. I, I need a. I want juice in my life. I, I want to. I want to live it to the, the fullest capacity. So, well, uh, yeah, it's a choice. But yeah, uh, uh, 
I'm going to keep working on that vision of living in Ireland. Now, I've flown over twice with my wife, had fabulous times both times, and I think that the one incredible experience, speaking of time, is that we were there the first time for two weeks. When we flew into Shannon and we got our rental car, I felt as though it was week three of a month-long vacation. It was like we picked up right where we left off. And that was so, that was so cool. It really was. I was quite jazzed by that, especially considering that when we went over the first time for the first two or three days that we were there, I experienced something I did not ever expect to, severe homesickness. Uh, because I didn't know where we were going to stay beyond the two nights or three nights at the hotel that we were at. And it wasn't until I got out of my emotions and we started searching for a B&B down in uh, County Waterford and we found it and, and so forth. Uh, but, uh, boy, what, what great opportunities that we have, Kingsley. And mm -hmm. it sounds to me like through uh, Piercing the Veil, it helps to open, you're showing us how to open up the possibilities so that we can pierce that veil in and we can see what else is, what else there is. Is that a fair assessment? I think, I think that's a very fair assessment that, uh, uh, that, that, that life is progression. Um, and for me, I've, I've always needed adventure in my life. You know, when I was 19, I packed up and went overseas. I, I went back to India. I've, I, I've, I've done a lot of things that uh, um, you know, sometimes very fearful, but you can't let fear uh, impede doing what you want to do because things work out. Things yeah. will work out. And, uh, um, sometimes and often the workout better than you ever could have imagined they would so uh, like i said when you're standing at the at the edge and uh, should i jump or not uh, yeah, jump and that's what i'm doing now and i feel good about it so there you go and that's that's the real key feeling good about it finding that happiness i um i want to uh let our listeners know this is tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we're talking with kingsley guy kingsleyguy.com we will be linked to his website you can see this interview on youtube on the youtube channel as well as going to the podcasts on soundcloud itunes tune in radio and other outlets as well as listening to the broadcast on sundays at 7 a.m and 7 p.m monday mornings at 1 a.m and we do stream live at those times as well so we hope that you will take a listen or take a watch i'm richard dugan this is tell me your story and we are talking with kingsley guy kingsley this has been a fabulous time together i'm so excited that we were able to reconnect and uh, and and talk more about this i wanted to talk more we won't do it today, but I wanted to talk more about your experiences in regards to Egypt, specifically in the story of the Queen of uh, Queen of the Heavens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, too. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I also, before we go, for those who are watching the interview, you look like you're down in one of the tombs somewhere <laughs> in in Egypt, in in one of the pyramids. What is what is that wonderful image behind you, or that, that, that real stuff? Yeah, that's actually a screen that I bought, uh, boy, 25 years ago at least when I started, got my interest in Egypt. Somebody showed me an advertisement in Architectural Digest or some book. 
uh, and or magazine. And I said, I need that, so I bought it, and it's been with me for 25 years. So it's 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 not a not electronic or anything. That is an actual uh, uh, screen that you can fold up and that. So it it looks great. I have to tell you. I mean, I I love mine with uh, Kildare Abbey behind me in Ireland. Uh, but uh, yours looks fabulous. Like you are down. Like I said, you're down in the catacombs somewhere, maybe yeah. doing your research. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe yeah, a temple of Luxor or someplace like that. Oh, well, Back I... in the days when the, the the columns and the temples were all brightly painted, but they oh, aren't yeah. anymore. But they were all brightly painted. So absolutely. Well, I have three final questions that I'm going to ask you as we wrap up this program today. And uh, just a reminder, folks, Kingsley Guy is the website KingsleyGuy.com. Piercing the veil is. Uh, his latest work as well as pick up a copy of uh, Queen of the Heavens and uh, that's plural and that's something else we'll talk about the next time we get together as well. Egypt seems to be a real interest to a lot of people because there are so many questions that still remain unanswered whether it has to do with the pyramids and the tombs um, the I'll call it the magic of Egypt Okay, and every country seems, every civilization seems to have some kind of magic. The Irish with their Celtic uh, heritage and so forth. So we'll uh, we'll get together again and talk more about that. I want to remind our listeners that this program is on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com as well as during this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting too. If this program resonates with you and you'd like to be a part of it, we would greatly appreciate any support financially that you can give us. That is the reason why I have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And please participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and go within. Listen to that still small voice. Get in touch with the divine higher self of you and find that calm, peaceful place as we begin to to transition into a new era. A new era is here right now. Just spend the time going within and, and just, it, it'll be great. I guarantee you, it'll just be great. So the three questions that I always ask my guests, and a lot of times you will have answered them during the interview, but I like to ask these directly. And they are, number one, sound like David Letterman with a top 10 here. Who is Kingsley Guy? Uh, who is Kingsley Guy? Well, you know, kind of a multifaceted person uh, and the person who spent his life in a very materialistic uh, profession in which he really couldn't speak about some of the subjects we talked about. Um, uh, it, while I was employed in the newspaper business, but uh, can speak about them now. So I, I would say Kingsley Guy is a, uh, a person who... Uh, likes to explore things and, uh, and, and, and try to pass on whatever uh, 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 discoveries I find by, by writing about them. So I think at this point in my life, that's, that's pretty much what I am. Mm -hmm. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Well, I would like to do, I think, to a large degree, what you are doing, and that is open people up to the understanding that there is, there is that that existence 
is not what we uh, uh, are able to perceive through the five senses. That there is so much more to uh, this universe than what we can see, feel, smell, touch, uh, hear, uh, and that's why I wrote I wrote these books. Um, and finally, that, that, that I think is. Hmm? And finally, what is your life's purpose? Uh, my life's purpose at this point is to. An old professor I had in Korea said, Kingsley, if you want to get through life with your sanity, do two things pursue knowledge and enjoy life. So I think that. Along with uh, uh, trying to uh, present some of these ideas to a, a wider public that we've been talking about, pursue knowledge, enjoy life. That's that's uh, mm. that's what I'm looking uh, forward to doing for whatever you know the next uh, many years ahead of me. Well, wonderful, and we hope to be a part of that by uh, having you back again to continue our conversation. And I thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. My pleasure, uh, Richard, and. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're serving a, a noble purpose. Well, thank you. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help you make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.